What's up, Freedom Church family? We are so glad that you've decided to join us today. Here at Freedom Church, we believe that God's word is crucial to experiencing his true freedom. We pray that you will find hope and that God will speak to you wherever you are through today's message. Father, we we thank you today for your presence in this place. We love you. We honor you. We reverence who you are. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, and only you deserve the glory and the honor. We're all instruments. We're all the pot, not the potter. So we reverence you, and we give you praise, and we honor you. We thank you. As you speak through me, Lord, let your word be the determining factor. Let your word encourage and build. In your powerful name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's give God a praise. Amen. Amen. Uh, If you can go with me to Genesis chapter 22, please excuse my wife as she is tending to our little one that is feeling a little bit under the weather. She has not been doing well, and recently she got a little bit better, and so we are praying. The Bible says anoint with oil and pray, and that's exactly what I did last night, and so... God's having his way, but Genesis chapter 22, and uh, we're in a series called Wait and See. As Christmas is approaching, you know how all of the kids wait under the Christmas tree and try to see what's about to happen next, what gifts uh, their their. Uh, challenged parents bought them their overpriced gifts that they're only going to use for a month. Uh, You know, Christmas, right? It's not about the gifts, it's about Jesus. And so I'm, I'm expecting God to show us through these several weeks his goodness. So Abraham, I'm, I'm sorry, Genesis chapter 22 says sometime later, verse one, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. He replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on the mountain. I will show you. Then he complained and said, God, why? Nope. Verse three says, early The next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, say the third day. Abraham looked up and saw a place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. 
we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac and himself carried the fire and the knife. As, uh, as the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together when they had reached the place God had told them about. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over there and took the ram and sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, some nations, only the people that you like, all nations will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham, this is one of my favorite parts, returned to his servants and they set off together for Bathsheba and Abraham stayed in Bathsheba. My title for today is not coming back empty-handed. Not coming back empty-handed. Thank you, worship team. Not coming back empty-handed. If there is a, something that really uh, gets me upset is when my wife goes grocery shopping and she'll purchase everything that she would like for herself and for the children and she will get favorite snacks 
and cool things that I didn't even know that they were in the grocery list. How do you go to go get groceries and then you come back with like a nail filer? I don't understand. How do you go get bananas and come back with new shoes? I don't get it or comprehend it. But she is an expert in getting all of the things and sometimes, just sometimes, I am wanting for her to bring me something back. If you took all that time to be outside of the house and leave me with these crazy children, I expect at least my favorite bags of chips. Do you understand what I'm saying, Mark, to you? (laughs) I at least expect my favorite chocolate dessert as a treat for babysitting my children. Okay? I know. It's not called babysitting. It's called just taking care of your children. I call it babysitting. Okay? Now... It is upsetting to me because she will come with bags on top of bags, on top of bags, on top of bags. And for me, all I see is she came back empty-handed. There's nothing in those bags that say, I love you dearly, husband of mine. It just says, I've wasted all of the money and we're good. I got my treats. And she'll buy, she'll do this sometimes. She'll get the most annoying treats of all. She'll get like these raisins with nuts and, and, and just uh, chocolates that don't make sense, that have caramel in them. And it's like, who likes caramel? You need prayer, things like that. No judgment, but a little bit of judgment. And so I, I just want to make sure you understand for me, for me, for me. Exactly. She is coming back empty-handed. She's coming back empty-handed because I see all of that other bags and I don't see what I want to see. And so I, I want to make sure that you understand today the storyline that we are bringing to the table, the, the storyline that is being presented to you is a storyline that we've heard for, for years and years being under the, uh, the, the, the church atmosphere, uh, talking about Abraham and his son and, and, and being able to sacrifice something that he didn't want to. But I want to real quick just put in your mind, just bring you into Abraham's shoes. Abraham has gone through a compilation of emotions. At this point, the person that picked Abraham wasn't nobody else except for God. You know why I know? The Bible says he's old. His wife can't have any children. And these are the people that are going to start off the descendants of faith and are going to bless the nation of of Israel. These are the people that God selects His number one priority is to pick these people that absolutely have nothing to offer anyone at this point, not even children. And I see the selection that God does. He does it not because of what they have to offer him, but what he has to offer them. He doesn't select them because they have anything to offer. He selects them because he has everything to offer them. And he selects them, and he's been in a compilation of emotions. What are the emotions? 
First, he is asked to be removed from his family. Leave everyone and go to a place that I'm going to show you. Sure, why not? You're cool and I hear your voice and I'm going to leave everything I know that's comfortable for me for a voice that just popped out of nowhere. Sure, I'll, I'll do that. I'm going to go with that. He goes through a journey of emotions. God promises him that he's going to have a child, and yet he still does not see. So he has a servant, okay, a top heavy-duty servant named Eleazar. And he is the real deal. So Abraham goes, are, are you for real going to give me a child? Because if not, he's going to have to be my heir to this whole entire thing. God says, no, he's not going to be your heir. I got this covered. I'm going to provide you a child. He still gets put in his head by his own wife that he needs to do something about the situation because the situation ain't moving fast enough. It ain't moving quick enough for his liking. So he's put in his head, I, I got to do this. He sleeps with Hagar, has a child. Now Hagar has a child named Ishmael. And he loves Ishmael because Ishmael is his child. But God asked Abraham, let Ishmael and Hagar go. Mind you, this is a compilation of emotions that Abraham is going through. It is not easy to let go of your family. It's not easy to get in an argument with your nephew called Lot and then have to separate later on. It's not easy to, to be told no to, and then on top of that, now you have to let your child go. Ishmael, you have to let him go. Compilations of emotions, emotions everywhere, okay? Now he finally has Isaac. And God, out of nowhere, after Isaac grew at least about 30 years old, okay? I want you to understand, Isaac is not a newborn. Isaac does not only have five years old. He's about 30. It's a grown man. But back in the days, it was considered a baby because they were living up to like 700. I don't know. <laughs> so he's technically like an infant at that stage. I don't know how that works. That's God math. <laughs> The reality of it is God allows Abraham to spend time with Isaac, to see him walk, to see him talk, to see him grow into the man that he is becoming. And he asked for Isaac when Isaac is in his prime. He doesn't ask for Isaac when he just first got Isaac. He doesn't ask for Isaac when Isaac can barely speak a word. He asked for Isaac when Isaac and Abraham are best pals. They're hunting buddies. They go fishing together. They're best friends. He has his whole entire life dedicated to this one child named Isaac. Isaac is the promise. Isaac is what he's been waiting for. Isaac is what was foretold to him. Isaac was the, the word of God coming to Abraham and Sarah and them laughing at the word because it was laughable that these two individuals would actually be the father of many nations. Laughable. Yet, 
he ain't laughing about it anymore. He's laughing with it. There's a difference when you laugh about something that's laughable because God hasn't done it yet. And there is a difference when he's done it and you're walking in it and you're laughing with it. So Abraham transitioned from laughing at it to laughing with it. He now is getting good morning hugs from the promise. He's getting the I love yous from the promise. He is grown attached to the promise because God has given him a word and he knows that God is with him because through all of the situations he's, got, he's gone through, God has been faithful. So he is walking in faith and gratitude that God has fulfilled his word. He's walking in faith and in gratitude because God is fulfilling his word. And all of a sudden, just like God, an expert in interrupting our lives, he interrupts the session of the lovey-dovey moment between Abraham and his son and says, Abraham, I need you to do something for me. Sure. What do you want me to do? I want you to grab your only son, the only one that you have. Mind you, Abraham had another son. His name was Ishmael. But God refers to Isaac as the only son for Abraham because it is the only thing that carries the promise that God has. It's the only thing that is attached to Abraham that says, I'm chosen, I'm selected, God's with me. It's the only thing he has. So he tells Abraham, grab your only son, grab your only promise that I've given you, and I want you to put it on an altar, take him to a place that I'm going to show you, and I want you to sacrifice it there. Now, slow it down real quick. It is not only sacrifice by leaving him, it is not only sacrifice by letting him go. Mind you, he has already done that. He had let Ishmael go, and Ishmael was still blessed because he does come from the lineage of Abraham. It still hurt to see his baby boy go, but he's still alive and breathing. This sacrifice requires death. Uh-oh. This sacrifice requires Abraham to put a knife through his boy and then burn his body alive. So, there, there's been some stories throughout the years. There was this man that he, because I want to make sure that I teach this um, correctly where the minds do not go all the way where it shouldn't go. God is not asking you to kill your children. Although, <laughs> although, 
Although, he is not asking you to kill your children or your spouse. Although, okay? There is a story where a man uh, killed his two-year-old daughter and was walking in the street with her, and he was declaring that he was doing something that God had ordered him to do. And uh, sometimes we, we want to make sure that we understand these passages correctly because God will ask us to sacrifice the most important thing to us so he can come in that thing and take over and actually be better for us than if we were just to depend on that one thing. And so he is being told Abraham to kill his son. Now, they've gone through all of the languages, Hebrews, Aramaic, I mean, ghetto, all of the languages, all of the slang, don't matter. It says in every language, kill your boy as a burnt sacrifice. There is no taking back what was said. God said it, and he meant it. He said what he said, and he meant what he said. He said, I need you to sacrifice your boy and burn him alive. Now, with that being said, because I want you to understand, Abraham has to grab those directions and make it his. That is the hard part. Because hearing from God, you know, we've been in church for a very long time. There's a difference between, hey, you. God's going to use you. No duh, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a common. Hey, hey, you. Did you know that God loved you? Yeah, sure. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. God's going to bless you financially. Well, cool. I hope that we can steward what he's going to bless us financially. And there's a whole bunch of promises and blessings that people can lay their hands on and give you a prophecy, and, and, and it could be from God. But there are some words that God would give your heart that actually make you not feel so lovey and so cozy. I want you to understand because I would be wrong as a pastor to tell you that the only thing that God requires of you is for you to come on church on Sundays. I would not be a pastor if I was to tell you God only requires of you the fuzzy things, the, the tears and the lifting of the hands and for you to say hallelujah and amen from time to time. He will require of you things that hurt deeply. And if you have not been asked about deep, hurtful things, I want you to strap on your seatbelt because it comes. Because here's one thing that I've learned. God never takes you to a higher place without bringing you love. So he tells Abraham, grab your child, your only child. It's like knives being stabbed. Okay, grab my child, my only child. Cool. And take him to a place that I'm going to show you. All right, cool. Sounds good so far. 
and I want you to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. That doesn't sound cool. The Bible says that the next morning or the, in the morning, Abraham gathered all his things, started chopping wood, knowing very well that the wood was going to be used to burn his own child. The Bible doesn't say that Abraham asked somebody else to chop the wood. He chopped the wood himself, having servants. I, I want you to understand this because here's the thing. It's not a sacrifice if your whole entire being is not involved. If your whole entire life is not involved in the sacrifice, it ain't a sacrifice. In fact, a sacrifice is something that you don't want to do. It's not called a sacrifice when you go to McDonald's and eat a double cheeseburger. Please, y'all, hey, I'm sacrificing because I, I really wanted Chick-fil-A, so I'm going to eat McDonald's. That's not a sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. Sacrifice is something that is being asked of you that, that you think about it at nighttime and you cannot sleep and you go, why am I being asked this? I, I didn't want this. Why is, it, why is this happening? Why are you asking me for this? Now, the Bible doesn't say that Abraham had any of those discussions with God. And I tend to believe that just because it's not said there, that we cannot take his human nature, because Abraham was a liar. He lied. Not one time, two times, maybe three, who knows? The Bible doesn't record all of Abraham's craziness. But it does re record that he's a human. That, he's, that he had flaws. So when he gets to that point, that means that God is asking him a serious thing. He pondered in his, in his mind, there is no way that any scholars or theologians or people that study the word that can tell me, Abraham never had a problem with sacrificing Isaac. He, he was the father of faith, and that's what he did. He, was, he brushed his teeth with faith. <laughs> you, you got to be real about the, the things that you're reading. Abraham is a man just like me and you. And when I say man, I hope that you understand it's just a phrase for overall women and men. He is flesh and blood. So if he's being asked something impossible, his feeble, corrupted human mind literally went left. How can I get out of this? How, how can I not do this? I, I don't want to do this. This is not what I signed up for. He, I, I left my family. In fact, oh no. I, I left Lot. I, I left people along the way. And now that you give me... I don't even want to think about Ishmael and what he's doing. Now that you give me Isaac, you're asking him for him back. 
So it had to be in his mind. But I look at it this way. Instead of Abraham letting his emotions run, he let his faith take over. Some of us, we need to start doing that a little bit more. We let our emotions run and we let faith in the back seat. When in reality, faith is supposed to take over and he is supposed to move emotions to the side and say, hey, this is not a moment to be emotional. This is not a moment for you to now cry tears. This is for a moment for you to understand that who is asking you is the same one that's brought you here. So if he's asked you and he's the same one that has brought you here, he must have a plan that you can't see. And Abraham has been walking with God for a few now. He's not a youngin. He's heard God's voice before. He, he cannot deny God's voice. And sometimes we become expert in denying God's voice because God's voice seems and hears impossibilities. And it also is disguised with things that we don't want. So when we hear it, we go, that's not God. That, that ain't God. It cannot be God. He's asking me for something that he didn't tell me about. Oh, really? Did he create the heavens? And then did he say, hey, hey, Andrew, I'm thinking about creating the heavens. Do you, do you have a plan, a blueprint that I can use? Because, Andrew, I'm telling you, you're the guy. I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm, I'm almighty, and you praise me and everything, but I just, I'm not the guy. I, I need somebody else. He, he didn't ask one, not even, not one of us. He just did it because he's God. Abraham is being asked by God, the, the one that he calls master and Lord, hey, give up what you love the most. And it hurts. The Bible says he chops the wood and he takes Isaac the next morning. Now, there is no conversation about Sarah knowing. And if I'm Abraham, I wouldn't even discuss it with Sarah. Because then the wood was going to be used for him. I'll just be honest. But I start realizing that Abraham is quiet. And he does not expose God's plan to anyone. This is important. Hear what I'm going to say. He doesn't expose God's plan to anyone because he doesn't know fully what God's plan is. He just only knows God asked him for something. And no one can know what God asked him for. Because no one is going to understand. 
even the most closest people to Abraham are going to look at him and go, what are you doing? It don't make sense, Abraham. What are you doing? So Abraham stays quiet and he chops the wood. And he takes his boy and two servants of his and he starts on the journey. Now, I want you to understand, there is a difference between throwing somebody off a bridge. My God, unexpectedly. Right? We didn't expect it. Wow, it's gone. He's really gone. He's really gone. Whatever. Okay? And there's a difference. You carrying a word of sacrifice for three days. There's a difference. This is why I say that faith, true faith, is not produced overnight. Abraham carried that word with him of killing basically everything that he is for three days. Because the Bible says on the third day, they saw the land in the distance and they said, oh, I guess this is where it's at, Abraham said. So for three days, he's looking at his boy. And he's looking at him and he goes, I got to give you up. Hey, dad, I love you. I love you too, son. Hey, dad, when we get back, um, I can't wait to hang out with you. And, hey, we're going to ride that camel because that camel been giving us problems. I can't wait to mount him and for us to race. Me either, Isaac. And he has to be Isaac's father while being God's slave. Oh, yeah, it's December. We, we here. We in church. We come to learn. He, he is walking as Isaac's father. And he's also walking as God's slave at the same time. And this is the definition of a real, true servant of the gospel. Because in one side, you have to continue being who God created you on earth to be. But spiritually, your spirit and your soul belong to God. And so you have to walk and love on Isaac and still be obedient to God. And there are moments that Isaac and God cannot fit in the same sentence. There are going to be times where God is going to require you, Isaac, it's either Isaac or me. And for y'all, y'all sitting here saying, well, I mean, he'll, I'll give up that banana pudding for sure. Yeah, no, I know it's created some waste. I mean, he's asking me for it. I might as well just give it to him. And then you go to the Oreo pie. That's not a sacrifice. When God asks you for something, it'll, it'll make your life 
turn dark and black and white where no colors are seen. It's like you don't see the horizon. How can this possibly come from a wonderful, amazing, omnipotent, uh, all-loving God? Why would he ask for something that's going to make me vomit in the... You, you know what I've thought. I, I thought about this. It's just so crazy. I, I thought about how every single time he, he would call me to plant this church. And then every single time that I was getting ready to preach and I looked back and I seen empty seats. And I just wanted to go to the bathroom and go, oh, my God, I don't know what, I'm sick. But it wasn't sick, it's that I was pregnant. And God uh, allows you to feel the, the movement of what he is birthing in you through pain. So you can see and understand that it's not you. I, I know that you got history channel on lock. I know that you have, you know, all of the biologies and all of the things of the animals. And I know how you know, you know how the planet works. But it's not you. It's him. And so he asked Abraham for three days. Abraham had to carry that. And here's the crazy part. For three days, I know Abraham was like, God, if you speak to me today... I promise to you, I'll do a U-turn. Have y'all been there? Where God is asking you for something and you think he's going to change his mind, but he makes you walk the walk. It's like, oh, hey, God, this would be actually, this would actually be where I do the U-turn right here. Like, if you tell me right now, I'm good. I've sacrificed it already. God doesn't say a word to Abraham. So you have, he's walking the path of pain. And no one knows the pain that Abraham is going through. Not even his boy Isaac. That's why I know Abraham is all alone in this thought. Because later on in the verses, Isaac says, there's scholars that say, Isaac knew and he was willing to throw himself on the altar. He was just a, just a brave young man. But the Bible says that Isaac turned to his father like a kid would and said, Hey, Dad, I see the f this, that. I just don't see what we're going to sacrifice. And Abraham said, God will provide. So for me, I'm looking at this story and I'm seeing Abraham having to go through the hardest time in his life, having to sacrifice what God himself gave him to let it go. And the Bible says that Abraham said to his servants, stay here. We're going to go, me and Isaac, going to go. We're going to go worship. And we're coming back down. Notice the language. We are going to go up and we are going to come back down. Now, I want you to understand this. 
he still doesn't tell the servants what he's doing except for worshiping. Worshiping for them is a new concept. Because worship is not a song. Hear what I'm saying to you. He says, I need to go up and I'm going to worship and I'll come back down. We're going to come back down. So he tells them, I'm going up, but I'm going to go worship. And worship, there is no instruments. Hear what I'm going to say. Please understand. Brina does an amazing job bringing us to the throne of God every Sunday. She practices, takes it seriously because, hopefully she practices. Uh, <laughs> no, I know she practices. She practices, takes it seriously because it's, it's what God has created her to do. Not everyone can do that. I, I know I, I used to grow up in a back in the school or back in the days church where they said, it doesn't matter who sings as long as you sing for the Lord. The, the reality of it is that, yes, you could be here in the background and you could hit one of these because I can too. But to lead people into worship, you have to be created for that. That's something that is in your DNA, that it's something that's a gift, and, and it cost. But they're not going to sing. He says, I'm going to go up and I'm going to worship, but it's not to sing. Because that's not what worship means. There's no click tracks. There's no band there's no piano. There's nothing up there except for death. What he's telling them, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to lay my life on the ground and I'm going to come back down. I'm, I'm going up to the mountain. But as I'm going up to the mountain, my character is falling off. <clears throat> I want you to understand. He's going up, but at the same time he's going up, he's going down. Because he's going to worship. And what he is going to do is put his dreams and goals and his thoughts and expectations of how it should have been and how it would have been and how he should have been doing this instead of that. He's putting all of that on the floor and leaving it there. And he's saying, I rather trust than take anything with me. Now, it's easier said than done because everybody likes the mountaintop. Everybody wants to climb this bad boy, but they don't know that the more you climb, the more you die. That rhymed a little bit. The more you climb, the more you die. The more 
God requires of you. And some of y'all are desperate. Yeah, I want God to require me. No, you don't. I promise you don't. Because even when he requires it, he doesn't do it the way you thought. So you have to go up because he's telling you to go up, but you're going to go worship. And I want you to understand any time that people say that word, I'm going to worship, but I'm going to worship. Please don't think that it's listening to these amazing songs, Maverick City and Elevation Worship. That's awesome. That's awesome. But to worship is to leave your life dead so God can live. And it requires everything of you. Abraham is being told that dream that you carry every day, that that love that you nurture every day, I want it gone. What What you bottle fed. What you grew, what you put seeds into, what, what, you, what, you, what you actually taught, I want it dead. How can I get to this point, God? How can you use me? Because there's so many people that are saying, God, please, there's a song back in the days that used to say, if if you're doing something in this season, please don't do it without me, God. Please don't do it without me. And we sing that song, I want to be tried by fire, purified. It's like, what? What are you saying? Every song, every, every word that comes out of your mouth, God's going to test it. He's going to say, sure, you want to be purified by fire? It sounds awesome, right? You're going to die. I'm going to make sure that when I'm done with you, there's nothing about you that resembles you. I'm going to make sure that when I'm done with you, there is no trace of who you used to be. It's going to be so bad that people are going to be like, who are you? I I don't even know. Because it's what God is requiring of his people. We... We want to read this word and make assumptions of what it says so it could benefit our lives. But I cannot read the scriptures and not hear die. Once upon a time, die. Okay, God, calm down a little bit. Please, even with the blessings, even with the blessings, even with the blessings, it says you'll be blessed if you die. It's like. But where, how am I going to enjoy the blessings if I die? It's die. Die to who? Die to yourself. Abraham was going to die to himself. 
He's putting his life on the altar because it's his only thing. I want you to understand it's not only about a son. It's that it's the only trace that he has that God is actually blessing his life. It's the only trace he has of the promise. He does not have anything else. How can you be the father of nations if you don't even have a boy? So he assures himself in your life by making sure you don't have any exit strategy, B plans, Z plans, F plans, so he can show off and do what he does. You got to die. Die. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all of it. Die, 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 die. Then here comes the Messiah, and he doesn't come crashing doors. Boom! Here you go, Roman Empire. What y'all said about Israel? The Bible says he comes in a manger where nobody wanted him and rejected him. He came to die. Hello, Merry Christmas this year. Have a Merry Christmas. Can't wait for the gifts under the tree. Die. And I cannot wait for y'all to put a Christmas present under the Christmas tree for your spouse and your children and put die. Could you imagine? Can you imagine if I did that to my wife? She'll throw a, a pen and say, you die. <laughs> it's dying. Because he takes everything from you. Because he wants to be everything for you. He changes your life by removing who you are so he can replace it with who he is. You cannot have Mary without death. You cannot have joy without death. You cannot even have salvation, which is our prized possession, without death. Our entire being has to die. And I want you to understand this because it's going to require, for people that are going up, this is just for people that are going up. If you want to stay down, that's perfectly fine. I'm, okay, I'm, hey, I'm not saying, hey, you got to die today. Hey, you choose that. Hey, that's on you. I'm telling you what God has required of me. He's required of Pastor Israel. You got to die. God, I want you to use me. You got it. Die. God, I want to be blessed. Die. God, I, I want to have a good marriage. Die. God, I, I want to be good parenting. Die. 
God, I, I want to I do something that's great in your name. Cool, die. And when you do that, and when you go up to worship, then you can see my provision. I want you to understand that the servants were told to remain in a certain place. Abraham said, stay here. You know why? Because he cannot take them up. Because the death is for Abraham. And sometimes we want to go like this. Hey, um, he asked me to die. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to die with me. God knows why he's requiring of you what he's requiring of you. You cannot take people to your death. So Abraham says, stay here while I go up. We need to die first. Okay, I'm going to finish. We need, to, we need to go up and we need to die. We need to die. So he wants to worship a God that's asking him for something impossible. He, he's wanting to lay it all down for something that seems not fair. That's the word that I would use in this sentence. God, why would you do that? That has nothing to do with what you're going to do with him. Why would you do that? It's, it's not even needed at this point. He has Isaac. He's waited. He's waited for Isaac. He's, he's done everything that you've asked him to do. It doesn't even, it's not fair at this point. If God was to ask you to die in the beginning, it's different than you have gone through a challenging road and then he tells you, die. It's two different things because I'm probably stupid and young. So I'm like, yeah, sir, God, I'll die for you. I'll plant a church not knowing anything. I'll be dumb for you. But when you've gone through some stuff and life has not been fair and then God says, die. We talk about a whole different new level. Because Abraham has gone through some things and he's trusted the Lord and he's waited for his promise. And all of a sudden, while he has his promise in his hands, God says, die. But I've waited. I know. Die. But I thought this is what you were doing. I know. Let it go. Let it go. Can you trust God that he gave it to you? And when he asked for it back, that's going straight to the hands that actually provided it to you. You didn't have nothing to do with it in the first place. Die. The Bible says, he tells his servants, stay 
here. I want you to understand this because I don't want you to miss it. He tells the servant, stay here with the donkey. The donkey has carried the wood and them this whole entire time. And now they must go up carrying the wood themselves. It's two different things now. He said, stay here with what's actually helped us. And I'm going to go up vulnerable to die. The servants could have easily said, it's been a long time. As soon as he disappears, hey, we're gone. You hear me? I want to be free. I don't want to be serving no eggs for nobody anymore. I'm gone. Please hear what I'm going to say. Abraham says, stay here. And the commandment of Abraham is also brought with, I'll come back to y'all. But he says, stay here. And he goes. The reality of it is, they are now unsupervised and with a donkey. If you miss it, if you miss this moment, I'm t you're missing the whole message. They are left unsupervised with the donkey. To see if they truly trust what Abraham told them. Stay here. I'm going to go die. Come back. He didn't say when he was coming back. He didn't say how he was coming back. He said, I'm coming back. That's all. Stay here. And I learned that you have to have faith to go and you have to have faith to stay. Abraham had faith to go. Leave your family. Now the servants have to have faith to stay. Stay here. As I'll go. You know what's the beautiful part of it? Abraham grabs Isaac, puts him in the altar, sets, traps him down. And then all of a sudden he grabs the knife. The last very, very moment, nobody knows what's going on except for Abraham still to this point. And God literally stops Abraham in the midst of it. He says, Abraham, don't do it. Because that's not the type of God I am. You're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Abraham, other gods require human sacrifice. They'll kill their children to actually praise a Lord and God that does not exist. I wanted you to sacrifice Isaac in your heart and in your mind because what I wanted was to be number one in your heart and in your mind. What I wanted was for you to understand that if it came time to let go of anything, you would in a drop of a heartbeat. So he, he's in the midst of it. And God says, don't do it. 
you, sometimes you got to make sure you heard God right. God, you, you said, no, don't do it. The Bible says he looked up. There in the thicket was a ram. And God provided what they went to go and do. But I want you to understand, Abraham still died that day. Because God still required something of him. He had to let it go. From that moment on, he had to understand, although I'm the father, he's my son, he's the provider. And there's nothing that I can do to make nothing happen. He will make it happen. So I had to let it go. I had to die. They sacrifice. The Bible says they come back down. And I love the, I love the word because it does not erase the fact that the servants were still Look at this, look at this, look at this. They were waiting, they were waiting. They were like, hey, uh, I don't know what their name was, but they were like, hey, uh, you hungry? Yeah, I can eat. Let's go, let's get a, a quick burger. Let's make it right here. It could have been days, it could have been weeks until Abraham came back. But one thing that they did was remain in the spot where their master told them to. He said, stay here. And they stood there and waited and waited, not knowing, not knowing that they're waiting. Hear what I'm going to say, that they're waiting and Abraham's going produce something beautiful. Look what the Bible says. Then Abraham returned to his servants. I, I like to know those things. Did they actually wait? Yeah, they did. They waited. They waited. They didn't wait like when Moses went up to the mountain and they said, hey, it's been like 40 days. Hey, let's get drunk because Moses ain't coming back. Party! And when Moses came down, he said, I need another 40 days. They waited in obedience. And this is where I say Abraham didn't come back empty-handed. The Bible says that the angel spoke to Abraham again and said, I swear to you by me that your children will be like the sand and the stars. But this is the kicker. Because you obeyed, I'm going to bless the people that were waiting down there. <laughs> I'm going to bless all nations. That includes the servants that were not inside the pack and the, the community that God was doing. They were just servants. But now they're leaving with the blessing that God is going to bless the whole nation because of their obedience. Abraham's obedience opened the door to bless everyone 
that was not in the blessing. So the servants don't go home empty-handed because what I'm attached to, I'm blessed through. They waited and said, I ain't letting go. He'll be back. And when he comes back, we got something waiting for us. I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's going to be. But they left there. And Abraham came back a new man. He was already, God already had sworn by himself. You're going to bless the whole entire nation. Don't even worry about it. Everybody's going to be blessed because of you. And the servants that were waiting for Abraham were blessed because they followed the person that went to die. If you would like to learn more about who we are and what we believe at Freedom Church, then make sure you visit our website at freedomchurchfamily.com. You will find it easy to invest in this ministry as well as be a part of our upcoming events. Thank you so much for listening and remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this one. We pray you accept this gift of freedom and share it with someone you know.